0: And Golden Day. And hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke through here. Back in the saddle for another wild, whimsical, wise sort of Wednesday, friends. Torch Report 348, the singularity and digital gods. The changes that are coming, friends, they're coming fast, and they're coming with an unstoppable force. But before we get into all of that, I want to just say, I'm sorry yesterday I did not get this article. Out. I started working on the report. And I just I wanted it to come together and I wanted it to be good, but man, I was dragging ass. Been uh, running hard since last Thursday. We had uh, horse events and we've been traveling on the road, and, you know, big long days up early, up late. I've been working from the road, getting out the reports uh, last week, Thursday, Friday, and of course the radio broadcast on the weekend. Anyway, it had all caught up and I felt like uh, my brain was mush and I was having a hard time putting it together. I wanted to do this this subject of the singularity and the digital gods. Uh, I wanted to do it justice, you know. And I think that really we need to brace ourselves here because, like I said, it's coming and it's coming fast, friends. If you've been with me for a while, reading or listening to the Torch Report for any length of time, you know that occasionally I'm prone to taking the philosophical romp into uncharted territory, uncouth conversations, unsanctioned uh, thoughts. You know, my my unruly rebel mind cannot be contained to the plantation of partisan politics. And I believe that this issue of transhumanism and digital gods, it transcends partisan partisan politics. But, you know, back. We'll get to that here. You know, I, I just want to state at the outset, you know, I I, I flatly reject the dueling platforms of the two party system. That's the distraction. I am not restricted to Republican talking points any more than I am inclined to promote any other political ideology aside from the basics of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness and the age of political insanity. <laughs> but this this tendency to buck traditional ways of thinking, it extends into religious and spiritual considerations as well. And I've had a couple of really good uh, conversations over the weekend with with some, you know, wildly different perspectives out there, but just good stuff. And I'm just as comfortable talking with somebody about Jesus Christ and the Bible as I am talking about Buddha or the transcendental meditation or the various arguments presented by atheists and agnostics and non-believers. I like to talk about it all. And the point is that talking about something isn't the same thing as believing something. So it's okay to talk about things that you don't believe in or agree with. And similarly, it's okay to talk with people you disagree with altogether. That's okay too, even though you know, I understand it's not comfortable to do it do so. It's, it's human nature is to, you know, kind of hang out with like-minded people is that's more comfortable for us. And it, but it's this, it's precisely this discomfort to talk about things that we don't want to talk about or don't believe in that causes us to close our minds and fail to listen and consider other ways of thinking. And we really need to listen and consider some of these other ways of thinking because these, uh, These mindsets are so pervasive. So many people have been manipulated and conditioned into the collective hive mind. We have to be able to understand where they're at. Even if it's complete insanity, we have to be able to listen and consider. That way we can form not just our own well-informed perspective, but also a a constructive and logical counter argument. Anyway, friends, it's all human nature. And it's something that we got to deal with throughout our whole lives. That said, at this stage in history... Given the rampant propaganda and the mental manipulation that keeps prodding people into the uh, different political holding pens, I think it's vitally important that we resist the urge to shut down conversations before they even start. And, of course, I can hear my friends giving me guff about this. Come on, Luke, you damn pacifist. Raw, raw, raw. <laughs> you know, friends, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, but there, there are two examples out in the news this week that I think uh, speak to what I'm getting at here as we as we dive in a little bit, the the first one comes from the House Judiciary Committee's uh, hearing. They're having a hearing on the victims of violent crime in Manhattan. And the Democrats at this hearing were arguing that New York City is one of the safest places in America. Uh, and they were arguing that New York City is the safest place in America in front of multiple victims of violent crimes, prompting one mother of a murder victim. Her son was murdered. She stood up and shouted out. Do not insult my intelligence. That's why I walked away from the plantation of the Democrat Party. Uh Aha! And you see, reality hurts. You know, this grieving mother, she's probably a liberal, been a liberal her whole life. She's a liberal through and through. She votes for liberal platforms and Democrat candidates and all that kind of stuff. But she can only stand so much. Do not insult my intelligence. That's a very powerful statement. It's a reminder that everyone has a right to think for themselves. We should all be thinking for ourselves. It's not just towing the party line or towing uh, the religious line, depending on your are your personal affiliations. There, you know, at this point uh, regarding the Democrat plantation here, there have been millions of voters. And multiple politicians who have switched parties, they've switched from being Democrats to being Republicans or Libertarians or whatever to step off the Democrat Party's plantation because they're getting tired of being told to believe things that don't reconcile with reality. That's the first example. The second example I want to talk about was an article that stood out to me about Congresswoman Nancy Macy. She's a Republican from South Carolina. She's been out in the news uh, getting flack for taking a very logical stance on abortion. And she's pointed out how the GOP's hardline stance on abortion has become so sacrosanct that it's out of touch with public sentiment, particularly among political independents. And she was citing, you know, the abortion talking about abortion as the reason Republicans underperformed in the midterms. You know, the big red wave didn't happen, but it was because they were hanging their hats on this hardline abortion stance. And I think that uh, Macy, she offers a very sobering analysis of the party platform, says Nancy Macy, Republican from South Carolina, quote, some of the pro-life stances we've taken, especially when it comes to rape, incest and Incest and protecting the life of the mother is so extreme, independent voters cannot support us, period, end quote. Okay, The beliefs are so extreme, independent voters cannot support that platform. Okay, And of course, no doubt, some Christian conservative voters are going to want to burn her at the stake for speaking this blasphemy. But it's true just the same, is it not? There are people put off by this, you know, the strict adherence to an anti-abortion pro-life stance when there's there's a logical argument that can be made. This case being made by a Republican female who is herself the victim of rape. And all this stuff, friends, it's it's not the issue that I want to be talking about, but it's that issue that evokes such strong emotional reaction. It ties directly into personal beliefs. And what's critical to realize here is just like the Democrats. You know, their their dog whistles and all that kind of stuff about gun violence and all that, they're, they're leaving, starting to leave the plantation. And the same way, we need a lot more Republicans who are willing to leave their plantation of party platform. And I know, you know, I know it may not be popular to say it, but it needs to be said, you know, it's the blind faith and adherence to the party platforms that shuts down conversation before they ever start. And that in turn is fueling the bitter vitriol that is tearing our country apart. But friends, you know, uh, you know, of course, none of this is by accident and it's not going to change anytime soon, but we have bigger fish to fry. So here's the thing. Shouldn't we all be independent voters? Right. In theory, you know, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I like to say I'm not, you know, I'm a fiscally conservative, socially conscious, politically independent thinker with a libertarian bent. You know, that means that I'm an opinionated person and I want to take it issue by issue. But here and now we have bigger issues than bickering over party platform. Uh, bigger issues than bicker <laughs> bigger issues than bickering over party platform. So let's zoom out. Zoom. you know, as I've said before, I believe that in order to forge a path forward for our country in order to find workable solutions that an honest majority of people can agree upon we absolutely must separate our politics from religion and the cult of personality i do not believe that having a 51% majority is really any kind of victory that's not that's not victory okay Having a 51% majority implies that almost half the nation vehemently disagrees with the policies that are being pushed by the political establishment. That's the outcome they want with the party platforms. You know, it's ultimately a lose-lose proposition for we the people. And it really only serves to enrich the political class and kind of fund the endless political circus. So that's all distraction. And while all this distraction is happening, other things, more important things like the commies are taking over the world are happening right out in broad daylight. Now, a real majority of people should be some it would be something like, you know, maybe, um, you know, the 80 20 principle, 80 you percent know, of people probably agree that state funded censorship is a bad thing. You know, 20 percent of people believe that free speech is a free for all hellscape, mm-hmm. you know, 80 percent of people believe that what a woman does with her body is really none of their damn business. 20% of people believe that their personal religious convictions should be forcefully imposed on everybody else. You know, I could go on and on, but I'm sure you get the point, friends. And I'm fully aware that I'm, I'm probably pushing some buttons here. So please bear with me. You know, I'm, I'm working towards something here. This is where we dive into the deep end because Elon Musk just told the world that Google is trying to build a digital god. OK, now, when Elon Musk tells the world Google is trying to build a digital God, you can expect some knee jerk reaction from uh, Christian conservatives or others who believe in you know, any sort of you know, God or divine figure right? Which is the vast majority of humanity. <laughs> okay. Has some form of religious worship. And so they're like, wait a minute, a digital God. No, no, no. There's the God, like the one and the only, the God of the universe, you know, the source and the sum of all it is and all that kind of stuff, the alpha and omega, that's God. So what is this Google trying to build a digital God? You get this reaction now, here's what, and why, why you know, the whole, uh, ma- w- the, discussion about political division and bickering over party platforms is this is an issue that we can unite upon. It doesn't matter if somebody goes to church or doesn't go to church or believes in Jesus or doesn't believe in Jesus, or if they're a Democrat or Republican or what have you. When we are facing Google trying to build a digital God, then we've got bigger fish to fry. We need to come together and have the conversations. So we've explored The inextricable link between religion and politics, uh, many times actually, uh, Torch Report 179, Lucifer, AI, and the Christian insurrection is a great, uh, great report to dive into if you want to catch up on that. But that report was noting how some people believe the rise of AI is something akin to a digital antichrist. That said, what Musk is talking about here about this digital god was actually rooted in a concept called the singularity. And the singularity is the point at which the culminating advances, the converging advances in technology, transcend humanity altogether. In a book titled The Singularity is Near, futurist Ray Kurzweil spells out the theory, and he's declaring that we're going to be reaching this singularity at some point in the next decade or so. And as fascinating as the theory is, of course, links there in the article, friends, if you want to check it out, there are problems with his underlying assumptions, such as the belief that, you know, say exponential growth is going to continue unchecked. That's not really the way it works, Uh, but they they show the models and look at this exponential growth. You know, oh, my gosh, it looks like a hockey stick. You know, that said, friends, it, it is the fact that. Big tech billionaires are getting all giddy about this, and they are pouring their considerable sum of resources into making this happen. That's what sets off sirens in my mind, like, holy shnikes, the singularity is near. No, they're funding. They're pushing for this to happen. There are those who believe that the singularity is the only solution to all of humanity's woes. They believe that this digital God will finally be able to save the planet and save us from ourselves. They believe these things with religious conviction, friends, and that's the key. You're understanding just as much as a, a Baptist believes in Jesus, these people believe that the digital God is going to save them. That's a major, major issue. And, of course, you know, plenty of people believe that this technology, it's destined to become all powerful, Uh, especially people who don't believe in God, right? So progressives and atheists and commies, you know, they all believe it's, this is destined to happen. There's no stopping it now. And unfortunately, I think at this point it does, it seems very unlikely that anybody's actually going to be able to stop this march toward madness, building a digital God and all that. And there's two reasons I say, I think that I say that, that it's unlikely you're going to stop it. First is, Because the allure of power is so, it's so enticing. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, power, more power. Ha ha, I created the digital God. Yes, you know, now I'm all powerful. And the second reason is there's the threat That if someone else develops a digital God first, then they will become the all powerful and everybody else is just screwed. (laughs) You know, this friends, this race towards tech supremacy is fueling the forthcoming singularity and all that kind of stuff. This is, this is, I think something that really we need to set front and center and talk about. And interestingly enough, uh, Musk. He also announced that he was developing a non woke AI. He's calling it the Truth GPT, and he's saying that his this new non woke AI is going to be designed for maximum truth seeking and trying to understand the nature of the universe. And it's meant to rival all of the liberally indoctrinated artificial intelligence that's currently dominating the market. To me, this all demonstrates just how subjective these machines are, how subjectively they're being programmed, the bias of the individual programs is being programmed into the AI. And that means it's going to be uh, programmed into the digital God. Okay. That said, friends, what we all need to realize is that once we've reached this singularity, these machines will be programming us. We're not programming the machines. The machines are programming us. And in fact, in many ways, they already are. So within that context, you know, as we stare into this dystopian potential of being peacefully enslaved by intelligent machines, the appeal of transhuman augmentation becomes all the more alluring. How else can humanity compete with intelligent machines unless we start to, you know, implant, you know, chips in our hands and our heads? That's going to be the line of thinking, this line of reasoning that's used to seduce many skeptics into accepting the inevitability of sticking a microchip in their brain. People are wanting that. They're lining up for that, friends. But of course there will also be plenty of people who would rather die as natural human beings rather than sacrifice their souls to the God of technology. That's a question that we all have to ask friends, ask yourself and start contemplating that and start talking to it and start talking to your kids about it and start talking to your neighbors about it. You know, when, when, when contemplating these concepts like the singularity, and considering the fact that, uh, you know, some brilliant billionaires are actively trying to build a digital God. These are not stupid people. They're smart, and they know what they're doing, and they're trying to do it. Uh, You know, all of that opens Pandora's box of possibilities. Short of divine intervention, it seems increasingly likely to me that we're going to be witnessing this singularity in the near future. And from there, you know, it becomes impossible to put the genie back in the bottle. Once they've created the digital god, you know, how are you going to take that away, okay? To to the extent that weaponized artificial intelligence is already manipulating the masses. Friends, we can only imagine what the future might hold. I can only imagine, okay? The transhumanists, they're already lining up for their technological baptism. At some point, these quote-unquote upgraded humans are going to become the norm. And once these upgraded transhumanist humans with microchips in their heads and all this crap are in the majority, friends, they will have all the power they need to rule the world and become like gods, or at least so they think. You know, what remains to be seen in my friend's mind is... uh, what remains to be seen in my mind, friends, is how this all plays out. You know, ultimately, believe it or not, the technology is already out there. And ready or not, it's already transforming humanity. And some people believe that all of this is just a substitute for religion in a godless society, gone awry. But the transhumanist global elites believe that this is a natural evolution into a post-human era. Friends, what do you think? I'll tell you what I think. I think the changes are coming either way, and therefore, resist we must, and that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to find that little heart on the Substack app or the website. Click that heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with someone. Share it with anyone. Share it with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this wild, whimsical Wednesday. Stay wise, friends. Stay human. And now look forward to talking to you again soon.